Welcome to this evening's Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs session on racism and Lethbridge. Welcome those of you who have braved this weather. Actually, it's gorgeous, isn't it? It really is. I was reading a couple of articles in the newspaper yesterday about how dry it is and how much we need this moisture. So I think we're all very pleased from that point of view, and I certainly do thank you for coming out. This is a regular SACPA session. Most of you probably know that the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs meets every Thursday at noon hour at the former Sven Erickson's, now country caterers, down in the, the basement at the keg. And you're certainly welcome to come to any of those meetings, as well as, of course, watching for those here at the library. As usual, we will be recording this session, and the great thing about that is that you will be able to go to the www.sacpa.ca website to listen to this program later, if you like, and also to listen to other programs of the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. All of them are recorded. And then there's also the opportunity, if you think of something that you wish you had said uh, on the evening of the event and didn't get a chance to say it, you can go there and continue the discussion on the website. So do check for that. SACPA is a volunteer nonprofit organization and it relies on the contributions of members and also people who come out to sessions like this. And there will be volunteers accepting donations at the end of the presentation this evening. Uh, we'd like to acknowledge our partners, the University of Lethbridge, for their support, including the distribution of notices and, of course, the Lethbridge Public Library for providing this space for us. Our program tonight, the uh, presentation part of the program, will last for about an hour and then we'll have a 10-minute or so refreshment break where you can help yourself to some coffee or juice or water, and then we'll have a question-and-answer discussion period. So I'm Luella Cronkite. I'm one of the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs moderators and have been for quite a few years now. Um, it's great. Look at this. This is fantastic. Look at this uh, panel here. We've got a great panel tonight that's going to be able to talk with you about a variety of issues having to do with racism and discrimination in Lethbridge, what needs to be done. I was talking with Mary the other day about this, and she told me that over the last year or so, starting last March, uh, the group has ha held a couple of potlucks, I think two potlucks, uh, and invited the general community to come to these potlucks, and they've had a terrific turnout. And just with two potlucks and the discussion and dialogue that took place around the tables, they have produced this booklet, which you can pick up over there, which talks about dialogues on racism and discrimination. And what I thought was really neat, too, is I decided to Google it, and I Googled dialogue racism, and I think yours was the second thing that came up on the Google search engine. So isn't that great? So that's really good. So we have a number of uh, people who will be speaking. Not everybody on the panel is going to be speaking, but I would like to introduce everyone here that's on the committee. Um, Dr. Joanne Fisk, the Dean of Graduate Studies, University of Lethbridge. Dr. Trudy Govier, the Department of Philosophy, the University of Lethbridge. Ruth Preston Schilk, who is the pastor at Lethbridge Mennonite Church. Uh, Jason Anderson, the pastor at Christ Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm going to assume the next person is Mike Frank, who is a graduate student at the University of Lethbridge. Then there's Kairos de la Cruz with Lethbridge Family Services, Immigrant Services. Uh, Sarah Sweetgrass, we're very pleased to see Sarah here. She was out in uh, standoff today, probably, and has had to drive back in for this with the Communications Department of the Blood Tribe Administration and the Director of Amnesty International here in Lethbridge. 
and Mary Costa, who is a linguist and director of Amnesty International Lethbridge as well. So we're going... Yes, right. Oh, I see you were going to briefly introduce yourselves. Well, I've already done that, haven't I? So I think we're okay on that one. So um, we're going to actually have a presentation uh, first, a DVD presentation. And this was a presentation put together by Dory Rossiter, who's... uh, in the Lethbridge Theatre Gallery tonight. You may have seen parts of it on TV. And uh, um, Dory has to leave fairly soon to go to a brownies meeting. (laughs) So um, we won't ask her to speak right now, but thank you, Dory, for the effort that you you have made to bring this issue to our attention. And so I'm going to invite Trudy, I believe, to come up and introduce the DVD. Or I guess you can do it from there, even. I think what I'll say is just a, a few um, things about the committee and how happy we ha- are to have this DVD. Um, there's a number of us up here, and I can promise that we, we don't each plan to speak for an hour. Um, we plan to let you people out of here, you know, fairly early. Um, let me just say a little bit about what motivated um, this committee. Uh, there were some reports that came to us of, you know, quite serious and hurtful um, incidents of discrimination and racism in Lethbridge. And some of our members, and in particular Mary Costa, is she's not a person to Uh, let something just happen and sit home and thinks that was a really bad thing. Um, So the idea came forth to to try to organize and try to have more discussion of racism and more expression of public concern and ideas of what could be done. And that's how this group started, which was 14 or 15 months ago. Um, We're going to tell you more about that, but we thought rather than having an evening of talking heads and some different talking heads. It might be nice to have a video presentation for a while. So that's what we're going to give you now. And we do promise that when we speak later, um, each one of us will be brief so that um, we hopefully won't be overwhelming. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to turn the microphone over to the panel and they will proceed from one item to the next. Trudy, go ahead. Can people hear me? Uh, great. Um, all right. Um, if you have questions or comments specifically about that, uh, we'd be really happy to uh, take them later. Uh, now, I think um, Ruth was going to speak next and offer us a definition of racism. I realize that there may be, and there are, a, a variety of definitions of racism and discrimination. The one that I'll offer this evening is one that we came up with and was included in the first booklet from the first potluck dialogue. Racism is a belief that members of one group are inherently superior to and have a right to dominate those of another group. This view can result in discrimination or abusive behavior towards members of the other group. Racism can include name-calling, rudeness, avoidance, stereotyping, racial profiling by various segments of the society, discrimination about employment and jobs, 
jokes and insulting graffiti can result also in treating people differently in society, such as at the hospital or at schools or in government. It can also result in bullying and in extreme cases can lead to violence and even death. That's a one, one definition. Uh, thank you. I think uh, Sarah Sweetgrass has a personal story to tell. Good evening, everybody. Um, I guess um, we were, when we met about this, we were discussing what we were going to talk about. And um, the we've done these kind of presentations at um, the different boards of education here in the city and also at the uh, city council. So um, I'm, I'm just kind of winging it here. I, uh, I didn't know what exactly I was going to tell tonight because um, uh, I was just kind of really nervous about this whole thing and um, what I wanted to share with, the, with everyone. So I guess my personal story would be probably my involvement with this group. Um, coming from southern Alberta, coming from the Blood Tribe, I grew up on the reserve, um, but I went to school off reserve in Lethbridge to begin with, and then in grade three I moved to McGrath um, Elementary School, which is about half an hour outside of Lethbridge. I think everyone knows where it is. But um, that was the first time I ever really experienced racism and discrimination, was, or that I can remember, because I was only in third grade, and uh, I, was, I had gone to a... Um, gone to a friend's house to go swimming and we were going to go to the public swimming pool after it opened um, so short just after school we went over there first to wait and while we were there um, we were getting ready to leave and while I, before I was going to leave her older brother he came into the room that I was in and he demanded to look through my bag and I, I don't know what, how old are you when you're in grade 3, 7 or 8 or 9 or whatever and uh, so I was asking him, well, why do you want to look through my bag? And he told me because I was an Indian and I stole. So that something in my um, bag was probably his or belonged to them in the household. So he went through my bag and he, um, and he found a brush that was mine that he insisted was his. So I let him have it, but I went home and uh, I, well, I went to the swimming pool and I called my mom and my mom came into town and the, the boy that um, did this to me, his son was, um, his father was the principal of our school and there, he didn't do anything about it. He just said, he just told my mom that he was uh, protecting his sister and um, it was really hurtful more so for my mom, I think, than for me, because I didn't really realize what was going on at the time. Um, but now that I look back on it, uh, th that was the beginning of many years of treatment of, of for being First Nations in this community. Um, I think any First Nations person, sadly, I think any First, per First Nations person can tell you that going into a store, going into a restaurant, um, it doesn't happen every time. And I think sometimes... Um, Thankfully, we do get treated equally, but um, I know we've at least experienced it once in our lifetime, um, you know, having to wait extra long just to get service. Um, you know, maybe our food takes longer to come back than the next table. And I, 
it happened to us just two weeks ago at one of the, um, we went for breakfast and um, a, there was only four of us that went for breakfast and a table of eight came in about 10 minutes after us and um, our food came half an, hour's after, half an hour after theirs did. And uh, my mom is stubborn, so she made us wait. <laughs> but I was, like, really upset with it. And, um, you know, once we pointed it out to the... Um, once we pointed it out to the management, they gave us 10% off, and I told my mom, oh, we just got a discount for being First Nations and having to wait half an hour longer than anyone else for our food. Um, and it came, our food came out cold, and, I mean, we could say, oh, it was an accident or it was an oversight or whatever, but, I mean, when those kinds of things happen to you, you just you realize that, that that's why it happened to you is because you're First Nations. They just want you to feel just that much more uncomfortable or that much more less than by doing those kinds of things to you. And so that was about two weeks ago. So like um, on the video, Pastor Jay said that it's alive, or was it Dr. Yale that said it was alive and well here in Lethbridge? It is. And that was the point that I was going to illustrate tonight. But um, another thing that I wanted to add, I know we're supposed to keep this short, but um, another thing that I wanted to add was that, um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that, feeling sorry for yourself or feeling like every like it's you against the world and it's and it's hard because you're first nations or something like that because as a younger person I, I got caught up in that and I started having a kind of a trip on my shoulder about any other person that was not for, like any like only having respect for first nations people and not giving that equal treatment to everyone else because of the treatment that I'd experienced and um I felt like it was my right to be angry, that it was I deserved to be rude to other people because I had gotten treated like that by so many different people. And I started behaving, you know, just however I felt like, just rude and discriminatory back to everyone that was not Native. And, you know, I had to learn through um, just growing up, I guess, that that wasn't the way because that didn't make me feel any better by joining the crowd and being rude back. I guess it really was never in my nature. But um, becoming, what, what can we do to stop racism in our community is becoming informed and going out and searching for the knowledge that we need to see other people just as people and, and understanding their histories. Um, even as a First Nations person myself, I've had to do a lot of reading on First Nations people. Um, there's many great books out there that you can find. Um, that will, um, I brought one tonight. This is one of my favorites. Um, it's called Native American Testimony, and it goes through many years of uh, Native history and uh, across the, U the United States and Canada. So um, that was one of the points that I wanted to make was, you know, teach yourself and um, find as many different resources as you can to learn about th different things, different people. And that, like, knowledge is power, and you can find, you know, a common ground with anyone if you choose to. And um, get become becoming active and involved in this kind of um, stuff, like, you know, Jacinda, she's in the crowd here, and she's the director of ACL here in um, Aboriginal Council of Lethbridge. And her and I and Mary Costa and Pastor Ruth, we were the four people that came together and said, you know, after the Tim Hortons incident and said, you know, we got to do something about this, but we're not just going to, you know, 
take care of it while it's like the hot topic. We want to do something along like all all the time and down the road and you know do something positive for the community and although I did come from the reserve and the roads are horrible I live in Lethbridge <laughs> and I just wanted to make that known too I do live on the west side and uh, I um, you know I've lived in Lethbridge now for the last seven years and um, um, I've become really active and involved in the community in um, the last two years and um, a lot of that is um, in part of because of Mary um, she's been my mentor and she's given me a lot of strength to come out and talk to everyone and not, not be so shy and like I wanted to be involved in this kind of stuff but it's really hard to be in front of people and be really honest and you know explain where you're coming from but um, that that was what I was also and another thing that I wanted to really talk about because I was, I've been thinking about this about what I was going to say um, I just wanted to say that um, another reason why this work is so important to me is because although it is hard to get up in front of a group of people and talk, um, I'm representing a lot of people that don't have a voice. And um, that's okay. But um, but um, the people that are homeless, the people that, um, you know, maybe the older people that don't have a voice, that don't speak up, that, that's who I'm here to speak for tonight and be there and let them know, let the public know that we are getting stronger and we are, <clears throat> we are proud of where we come from and we are, we are going to work hard to become, um, you know, strong and proud of who we are. We already are, but that's only going to get better and stronger. And I just wanted like to share that with everyone and that, um, you know, have respect for the people that are really quiet and don't speak up because they're going through the same thing. They're just, they just don't have an avenue to express themselves. So thank you for listening and uh, pass it on to KRS. Well, thank you very much for that. I don't think there would be any disagreement that a decision to maybe give you just an extra minute or two was the right thing to do. And thank you for that. And now, um, Hey, Russ, I think you all also have some stories to tell. So, um, unlike Sarah, I can't wing it, so I wrote it down. <laughs> but um, racism is alive and well in Lethbridge, and with my job, I see some of it, and the most heartbreaking ones as well. So, I've seen and heard what racism can do to newcomers. It shatters their world, a world that was already in pieces to begin with. They came to Canada hoping to put the pieces of their lives back together but to experience racism shakes them to the core. Imagine you are walking down the street along 16th Avenue South en route to the grocery store to pick up a few items. You are dressed in jeans, a shirt, and a nice petticoat, yet you've adorned your head with a beautiful silk hijab. You are simply minding your business, all is well, until someone pulls alongside the curb and rolls down the window and yells on the top of their lungs, go back to Iraq, you effing terrorist. You stop dead in your tracks. You simply, simply unaware of what just happened. You don't think because you are now frightened, alone, and you simply don't know what to do with yourself. In hindsight, you tell me in broken English, why would they do such a thing? What did I do wrong? But you still ha don't have the English words to tell me how you really feel and what you really think. Imagine once more that you are a grade school teacher about to start a class. As the children all start bouncing in, you are quick to notice that a cheerful young girl isn't so cheerful today. 
Her once beautiful braids are hidden under a baseball cap, but you notice that those braids are gone. Her hair is completely gone, entirely cut off by hand. You ask what happened, and she cowers in embarrassment. In hindsight, the young girl tells me that she hated her hair because they were not like the white girl's hair. The white girls had long and beautiful flowing hair, and she could not have hair like that. The children used to ask and tease her, her why her hair was like that, black and braided, totally different than theirs. She knew she was different, and she hated being different. I've seen and heard what racism can do to newcomers living in our communities. I've seen and heard and felt racism myself. It's stupid, it's senseless, and ignorant. Every day, I encourage newcomers to be all that they can be with whatever they have in front of them, to take every opportunity, every experience, and grow and learn from it. But what racism does, it discourages growth, it discourages living experiences, and it equally discourages learning about the people and the communities that simply don't want to learn about you, the newcomers. Even though most of you tonight have not seen, heard, or felt racism and discrimination, you might be the change. You might be an important piece in the lives of newcomers. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. Um, we'll now go to Mary Costa, who has, as you may have already inferred, has been the great organizational impetus behind this group. And thanks, Judy. Is it on? <laughs> Yay. Um, you've heard some, some uh, personal stories about racism and discrimination in our community. And just within the last year, um, there's been several really um, high-profile incidents that have taken place. Others, you know, it's happening frequently, but there's been at least a few that I want to mention. The NIMBYism around the relocation of the Native Women's Transition Home. Uh, two incidents at Tim Hortons restaurants locally. Um, and also uh, and one incident involving an employee, another incident involving customers making uh, really awful racist comments that I was actually a witness to. And um, another incident um, of uh, a lesbian couple being uh, victims of hate, hate mail and uh, having a, a car burned, I think, on their property. So those are just some, some really recent incidents in, in the last year that have gotten a lot of media coverage. However, as uh, Sarah and Keras have pointed out, Indigenous people and newcomers to Canada live daily uh, confronting racism and discrimination in their lives, and you don't hear about this all the time. It's not always high profile. Another group I wanted to talk about, too, that we didn't mention is, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of people who, who are experiencing racism and discrimination. Discrimination is a broader term, and I wanted to mention also the GLBTQ community in, our, in Lethbridge. Um, we've seen a really, some, some really positive things happen in our community, such as a three-day Pride Festival just this summer, um, the, um, the initiatives that uh, ACL is undertaking with respect to uh, hiring a diversity coordinator, uh, the city joining the Coalition of Municipalities Against Racism and Discrimination. There's some hopeful signs happening, but we have to bear in mind that, that ordinary people in our town, whether they're uh, gay, lesbian, indigenous, uh, transgendered, uh, new uh, refugees, temporary foreign workers, um, 
older women like myself, you know, we do confront and experience racism or discrimination in our daily lives, and we need to keep working as a community on this, which is why we started uh, the Lethbridge Action on Racism Circle. We thought that the change can only come from the community. It can't be mandated down. It can't come from, um, you know, something higher up. It has to come from ourselves as um, community members. It has to be a grassroots movement. And a lot of people think, well, grass, it's a grassroots group, Lethbridge Action and Racism Circle. What good can it do? It's just a grassroots group. The thing is, grassroots is the strongest you can have at all, uh, of all because it's ordinary people working together, committing. Um, our group doesn't get any funding of any sort from anybody. We've done everything we've done for the past year for free with no money at all. And what we've accomplished has been quite a lot. We've held two potlucks. Um, over 100 people uh, attended potlucks and made recommendations, which were, re were published in two reports. The second report is on the back table there for you all to take home. So that report has 100 authors <laughs> from your own community listed at the beginning of the report. You can see who attended and what they had to say. Um, those reports have been widely disseminated um, all over um, Canada. And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback about the reports. They're also on the web and able to... Um, to, uh, to read really easily, just um, Google, like Luella said, on dialogue racism, those two words, and you'll come up with our reports. Um, the other thing that we've done is um, we've held, had tables at the University of Lethbridge and Lethbridge College and gotten uh, recommendations and ideas from the students there. And their recommendations and ideas, some of them are in the last report, so you'll see them in there as well. Uh, we made uh, presentations of the recommendations from the community potlucks to City Hall, the Community and Social Development Committee of City of Lethbridge, the Catholic School Board, and the Public School Board. So the recommendations didn't just get published in a booklet and sit on a shelf. We brought them forward to decision-making bodies, and we keep bringing them forward um, because we think people's voices need to be heard. Their ideas are really valuable, and there's some really creative ideas in those booklets. Um, Another thing that we've done is established a blog. So it's right there on the, on the web. You can go to our blog. You can make comments. You can write your own uh, you know, stories on, on the blog. It's there for everybody to share ideas and share their experiences. Um, and last of all, uh, one thing we're doing um, uh, just coming up in the next month is we're uh, doing a poster campaign. We have on the back table there... Um, examples of the posters, we had over 20 people show up willing to have their faces put on posters and say, I'm standing up against racism and discrimination in my community. So you can have a look at that table there and see some of those people who, um, who were um, wonderful enough to come out and have their uh, pictures taken and participate. Uh, I'm going to stop now. I just wanted also to um, acknowledge um, a few people here in the room. I won't, I won't actually embarrass you by um, you know, saying your names, but there are some people in this room who have been really courageous and spoken up against racism. And uh, thank you and continue, please, to do it. Know that you're not alone. Know that there's people who will stand with you. Um, thank you, Mary. Uh, now, Ruth will tell us more about uh, the potluck process and how we got some ideas from the community by using that approach. Having your people here, as well as those people who've come to the potlucks, is a little bit like taking coals to Newcastle. You're already on board, I suspect. The good thing about this, though, is that you are encouraged to see that you're not alone. And so are we when over 100 people have come to these two potluck dialogues 
The first one was last March in 2009. Three questions were asked of people as we came together. First of all, we ate, which is always a good celebration. Then, then we did some work together. The first question was, how have you experienced or seen or observed racism here in our community? The second question was, what positive practical ways can you think of to address this? The third question was, what should we do next? One of the answers to what we should do next was to have another potluck. So eight months later, in November, we did. The three questions there were, how have you implemented, if you were able to do so, some of those practical ideas from the first potluck? And tell us about it. The second question was, in these eight months, have you seen negative or positive changes in the way racism and discrimination have once been observed? The third question was, oh yes, so what are your new ideas, if you still have some more left, for action on racism? Even experiencing those two potlucks, we demonstrated what we want our community to do. We came together in diversity. We enjoyed each other. We worked together. We went out together. As Mary alluded, this format didn't just stay here as well. At the second potluck, Ken Stewart from the Alberta Government of Multiculturalism was there and said, this model is fantastic. It has been taken across the country. So that feels really good. Thank you, Ruth. Um, now we're going to hear again from um, some of our speakers, just giving examples of some of the many ideas that did come up um, at these potluck. And we're going to, it, we've got these divided in categories, so we're going to talk about ideas for individual action, for government, business, or education, and um, we'll promise to be pretty efficient in getting through all this. So, um, Sarah, did you want to comment on some ideas for individual action? Hello, it's on? Okay. Um, so, recommendations for indiv individual action. I'm just going to point out, too, that I think are really awesome. Um, become friends with people from different ethnic backgrounds so you can tell each other what hurts. And I think that, you know... Um, I think that uh, doing that, like especially with being a part of Amnesty and getting to meet people from all over the world, has been like really good because you realize, like, um, I mean, you don't. It says to so you can tell each other what hurts, but um, what I what we focus on, like when I've met all these different people, um, is we realize how much we are the same and how much um, you know we we have things in common. And also, like, celebrating our differences and seeing, like, their different perspectives from different countries and, and realizing that a lot of the stuff that we know about them from TV is, um, or from the media is, is wrong. And the truth comes out when you, when you realize that they're just another human person. And they explain a lot of their cultural, like, things that we see on TV um, that we, we assume we know, but we really don't know the truth. And I think learning that learning their truth is like really awesome and, and it helps you grow as a person too. Um, also, uh, another one that I think is really important is, um, to, 
attend, stand up, and speak out at community forums. Um, it's one of probably the hardest things to do is to be a public speaker and get in front of different people and say how you feel and whatever, but um, it's, it's really good to make your voice heard and not be afraid to share how you feel about different things. So those are two ones I think you should do. Well, I think you're well on the way. I don't think it's, that's going to be a great challenge in the future. Um, Kay Rest, did you have some comments about government? Okay, now... Now that I see that everyone's on it, uh, has a page, you can just go into the middle leaflet, <laughs> right in the middle section where the staples are. Uh, recommendations for government. Um, the participants had 20 recommendations in the areas of government, so I'm going to list five of them. Number one, if you are a community leader, acknowledge the problem and speak out against racism and discrimination. Leaders need to show the way. Number two, provide a forum for people to communicate about racism and discrimination, as you see here. Number three, be inclusive in initiatives. All members of the public who are interested should be able to be involved, ensure that we are a unified voice as a community and work together with community members. Bring everyone doing the work to one table. Number four, clearly define what constitutes racial discrimination and keep records in a database so that we have statistics and information on the types of scope and scope of racism. And number five, engage First Nations community members in city planning. Um, with regards to the database and statistics, um, we have further recommendations mentioned later on about how can go about um, sort of red flagging racism and all that stuff within our community via through the police and stuff. Okay. Um, thank you. Now I'll turn it over to Mary. Mary, you're on as talking about recommendations for business. Okay, um, there were 10 recommendations for businesses that came forward from Potlucks. I'm only going to highlight six of them. Number one, and, and just to say, it's difficult to legislate around businesses, but everyone felt there needs to be pretty high community standards for um, businesses and corporations in our community, and a lot of incidents of racism and discrimination have taken place at local businesses. And, and this even goes to private private uh, homeowners renting out. We've had a lot of reports of people, you know, not even being able to um, view an apartment for rent because they're First Nations. Um, the, the Chamber of Commerce should provide diversity or anti-racism training for business owners. The Chamber of Commerce can really take a lead here. Unfortunately, they didn't attend any of the potlucks, although they, they were invited. So we think it's really important for the Chamber of Commerce to get, get on the ball here on this issue. Uh, number two, TV, radio, and print media businesses should promote anti-racism through media campaigns. Uh, really glad to see Dory doing a series like this. Uh, this is a really easy thing for media to do, uh, to promote uh, anti-racism through media campaigns. Number three, temporary foreign workers should receive the same protections given to citizen workers. This actually requires some legislative change uh, in, in, in Alberta. Uh, temporary foreign workers are not protected uh, the same way that citizen workers are. And we have a lot of temporary foreign workers, for example, at Maple Leaf. Uh, number four, business owners should have a steel box for messages so that people can report staff who are discriminatory to customers. 
This is a simple, simple thing for businesses to do. Number five, the Chamber of Commerce, again, should make zero tolerance for discrimination stickers that businesses can put up on their premises after signing a voluntary pledge not to allow racism and discrimination in their place of business. Number six, business owners should support multicultural festivals and markets that embrace diversity. Those are just a few of the recommendations for business. Thank you. And Ruth, education? Of the 17 recommendations for areas of education, I'll highlight four of them. First of all, encourage role-playing in classrooms to build empathy and understanding. Secondly, support teachers who already have too many tasks to do. Thirdly, have a contest for the best story, poem, or film about someone who successfully challenges racism and discrimination. And finally, support university courses on peacemaking. Well, I'm really glad to hear that reference to um, university courses on peacemaking. Let's hope we can develop some more of these since they're really interesting and worthwhile, in my opinion. So it's fallen to me to just comment on some of the um, things we've got going on right now. We're hopeful of having um, further successful activities in the future, obviously. Um, our poster campaign has been mentioned, and copies of the posters are visible at the back. Um, we've also, I think someone's been helping us circulate um, copies of this uh, dialogue emerging from the second um, potluck. We have some recommendations of what people might do if they see or hear of incidents um, pertaining to racism or, well, more specifically, incidents of racism. Um, if you see, um, I mean, you can't do this if you just hear a nasty joke, but I mean, if you see um, violence or harassment um, or really mis severe mistreatment on the basis of racism or prejudice, these actions can be reported to the police um, and or the Aboriginal Council of Lethbridge and or CMARD, which is the Coalition of Municipalities Against Racism and Discrimination. Um, I'd also like to mention that many of us, and this includes myself, um, we become very uh, timid and we don't speak out as often as we could when rather uh, nasty things happen. And I think that when I've talked with people about this, many people are very hurt by, you know, slight, what we might think of as slight insults or um, jokes or slurs or epithets. And I think that if, if we hear these, and especially if we're not a, tar a member of a targeted victim group, it's a great idea to speak up. Now, we've discussed this on our board, and sometimes people have been thinking of contexts where, you know, maybe there's a gang of five tough-looking characters, and you're just a little old lady, and you might be afraid you're going to be knocked over or something. I think that that's a possibility, and I'm not re recommending that people go rushing out and take great physical risks. I think many times you're in a perfectly safe context. And, I mean, speaking for myself, and I... I fear that it would apply to others. We don't speak out when we could at a small risk to ourselves. And I would like to see this city and Southern Alberta generally have a terrific reputation for being an inclusive, accepting, tolerant, 
harmonious and creative environment. And I would like to see this part of the world lose the reputation it appears to have as being redneck, um, biased, etc. Well, I would like to see racism become very unacceptable. That would be a social change. And I'd just like to say social change can happen, and many of us in, in this room, including obviously myself, are old enough to live through quite, have lived through quite a bit of it. I can remember being a young professor, and it was really embarrassing to ask someone to not smoke in one's own class. I mean, the smokers had it. The bias was on the people who didn't want smoke. They had to really make their case. Boy, you just about had to be dying of allergies or whatever. I would like to see racism be as unacceptable as smoking. And I mean, I think that can happen. And this group would like to continue our activities and work on attitudes and values in this community so that these forms of behavior simply will cease to be acceptable. And we really look forward to your questions and comments from whatever point of view. Thank you. Well, thank you for your fantastic presentation. It, it, isn't this wonderful to see so many people here and the audience as well uh, supporting this issue? We're going to take about a 10-minute break. There's coffee, water, and juice over there and the posters. And then it'll be your turn. You can uh, think about the questions that you would like to ask. And during the break, come up and visit with the panel members. So about 10 minutes special library presentation of the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs, uh, Racism and Discrimination in Lethbridge, What Needs to Be Done. Uh, just a reminder to you, we are going to have a question period in a couple of minutes. Uh, this program is being recorded, so we would like you to speak from the microphone, please, when you ask your questions. We ask that you go to the microphone, identify yourself, and then... Um, you might have a little bit of a preamble to your question, and that's fine, but we don't need uh, a full speech. <laughs> so keep your questions brief so that we can allow the panelists um, a chance to respond. We are going to be passing the collection bucket this evening, and uh, because this is a special event... Uh, sponsored in part by Amnesty International, all of the funds collected tonight will go to Amnesty International. And you, you will know that, you know, in order for you to be able to hear me clearly, it's better if you drop paper instead of metal into the bucket. Uh, and while the bucket is coming around, I'd just like to let you know what the meeting on Thursday, the regular lunchtime meeting of Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs, is going to be. It's very relevant. Um, this one is called the NIMBY Gauntlet. The, the, oh, somebody had lots of... That's all right. Lots of metals, good. Uh, the NIMBY Gauntlet, the process of socially excluding native renters in Lethbridge. That's the topic for this week's Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs on Thursday. Those of you who were here to see the video earlier will remember that uh, Dr. Yale Belanger spoke. He's, a, with, he's an associate professor in North American... Native American Studies, pardon me, at the University of Lethbridge. He's trained as a political historian and has done work on the emergence and evolution of Aboriginal political organizations in the late 19th and early 20th century in Canada. 
He's going to be specifically speaking about the difficulty that First Nations people have in uh, getting rental uh, property here in Lethbridge and about the discrimination and about the possibilities for ending that discrimination. And he is working as well with Drs. David Gregory and with Joanne Fisk on uh, how NIMBY operates to deny Aboriginal people access to rental accommodations in our city. So that's the, the meeting on Thursday. Now, as I mentioned before, and you may not all be aware of this, but Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs is open to the public. It's held every Thursday at noon at Country, country Caterers, uh, Country Kitchen Catering, which is the lower level of the keg. Used to be Sven Erickson's over on Mary McGrath Drive. It's $10. You get a really nice lunch. You get the meeting. So do make a point of going out to those meetings. You can always find out what the topic is for upcoming meetings by going either to the SACPA website or go to the University of Lethbridge uh, notice board on the internet and it also will tell you what the topics are coming up. Now just before we start the question period I would like to ask the panel members um, to reintroduce themselves to say who they are, uh, what their involvement is with this committee and then a, a word or two about some of the work that they've been doing. So, can we start with Dr. Joanne Fisk? Hi, I'm Joanne Fisk, and uh, I work at the University of, of, of Lethbridge. Been a member of this organization since last fall. I think the most important thing that we do is engage with the public. Well, that was short and sweet. Um, I'm Trudy Govier. I'm also at the University of Lethbridge. I'm in the philosophy department. Um, every now and then, I get to teach a course on the philosophy of peace. I'm quite interested in peace studies and conflict resolution. And of course, given those interests, I, I feel that, um, well, I, I know that racism, discrimination, um, ethnic prejudice, and so on have been causes of serious conflict and violence. So I'm interested in doing what I can do um, locally to try to alleviate um, these factors. I really appreciate having a chance to speak with um, local Aboriginal people and hear how they experience this city and their world, which is different from my experiences, and I appreciate you trusting me enough to tell me about that. My name is Ruth Preston Schilk. I'm pastor at Lethbridge Mennonite Church. This is um, one activity that I'm really excited about partly because it's not in a church building, but it's still doing the gospel of peace and reconciliation. Those two are twins. Uh, my name is Jason Anderson. I am pastor of Christ Trinity Lutheran Church. Uh, racism was definitely in my backyard where I lived, uh, right beside the church downtown and uh, where I live currently. And uh, so I think this is something that we can't sweep under the carpet as uh, a lot of my members uh, had traditionally done. And so I felt as a leader of this religious organization, uh, Christ Trinity, that it was in fact uh, part of my responsibility to be a part of this group and I've done so since our first potluck. Hi, uh, my name is Michael Frank. I'm uh, from the Blood Tribe. Currently I'm a graduate student at the U of L. Uh, Dr. Boulanger is actually my thesis supervisor. Thank God he's not here. However, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Aboriginal men's masculinity, the processes of manhood that Aboriginal men had historically and now contemporary, but also including the notion of where do we go from here? What problems do our 
our men face in today's society? How do we fix those? How do we flush out the stressors and tensions? So uh, since I came on board about a year ago or so, it's been a little bit busy for me. So thanks for having us on board, Mary. Mary's been the great driver for this. She's an amazing person, and she's made everyone feel welcome. So please feel welcome in the room to speak and show us your side. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you for coming out tonight. My name is KRS Dela Cruz. I'm with Lethbridge Family Services Immigrant Services. Um, I am second generation immigrant. My parents have a, came, came from the Philippines 25 years ago. It's amazing to see that since 25 years ago, nothing has changed. Um, my parents have lived um, through that experience, and now I'm seeing it through the eyes of my clients. I'm here to represent myself. I'm here to represent my clients' stories and who they are and what they represent to me and the community because they are Lethbridge. They are here. They have made, chosen to make this place their home, and they will continue to stay for generations to come. So I hope and continue to see that the work of Lethbridge Action Against Racism Committee continues on, um, that the community embraces these people as well as the First Nations in our community as well. And um, I'm proud to say that I work with Alberta General Council Society to bridge that gap between um, the First Nations and the newcomers. So thank you very much. Uh, my name is Sarah Sweetgrass. I'm from the Blood Tribe. Uh, I currently live in Lethbridge, but um, I've always lived on the reserve and I work out there still. So I get to be involved in, uh, immersed in my own people from 8.30 to 4.30 and come out to Lethbridge every evening and, and uh, experience what Lethbridge has to offer. And I, and I really want to, um, earlier I know I spoke about the experiences of racism that I felt, but um, I really want to st state that uh, although um, it might seem like a dismal topic or whatever, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to be from here. Um, the blood people are very strong and proud people. Uh, the Blackfoot people are very proud and strong people. And um, I've been fortunate enough to travel across Canada um, through my work with Amnesty and uh, with my, wor my work with the Urban Aboriginal Strategy here in Lethbridge as well. So I've gotten to see what Canada has to offer. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always glad to come home and be here because... We are, although we might be in one of the places that people think is the redneck capital of Canada, um, we're still here, we're still alive and well and working hard with all different sorts of people that want to come together for a common cause. And we're here united this evening and we're trying to tackle this issue with positive action. Um, we're trying to um, come together to find solutions to a problem that has been here for so long. Um, the good thing about another thing that I wanted to state is that, you know, our Aboriginal people, um, in spite of all the different types of discrimination that they've experienced, um, they're st we're still here. We're still thriving. You know, we're not just surviving, we're thriving now. And uh, we have a long way to go, but we've made leaps and bounds from, you know, 100 years ago. And um, I'm th I think that's, you know, why I'm here being involved with uh, Lethbridge Action on Racism Circle is to be, um, like, I'm just a regular citizen. You know, I'm not a doctor yet. <laughs> That's definitely one of my goals in life is to become very well educated. Um, my life experiences have brought me to where I am. Um, and I think that's, you know, really important that any, any person can have a voice. 
um, anybody that wants to make change happen can do it by becoming involved in these types of things. Um, you know, uh, I'm very fortunate to be um, surrounded by a lot of great people all of the time. And um, I come from a strong community, and um, I'm grateful that we are here. And uh, my work with this type of stuff, um, not just combating something, but working towards a positive change is something that I think is really important. And that's why, um, you know, the use of positive language for me is really important. Um, not just to be always battling something that that just has a negative connotation to begin with. So always striving for a healthier community in whatever way is something that I choose to look at it as. And I think that's what drives all of us together here keeps us working hard and finding new ways to come to the public and express ourselves. And, and I think that is one of the best things about this group. And uh, I'm Mary Costa. I guess my background is I'm a linguist who's worked um, in First Nations communities for the last 30 years working with speakers of Aboriginal languages. Um, I wanted to, first of all, thank SACPA for contributing uh, tonight's donations to Amnesty International. Uh, what Amnesty International will do with those donations is give them back to Lethbridge Action on Racism Circle to help print up posters for our poster campaign. <laughs> so, thank you for helping us with the poster campaign. Uh, and I just wanted also to say one thing that I really liked about the potlucks. What I really liked was that everybody brought food, including the mayor and the chief of police. <laughs> Second of all, they're willing to share it with us. Um, but also that, <laughs> but, but also just the, the idea of people bringing food to share with each other. And then the second thing I liked was that everybody got to sit at tables with people they wouldn't ordinarily sit with and, and share. Really, really powerful. So I really hope the potlucks continue. It doesn't have to be this group doing them. Church groups can do them. You can do it with friends in your home. You can have little home parties. But get people together who are different, who you might not share a meal with, and talk. And that's the first step for us making a difference and overcoming discrimination in our community. You know, companion, and, and you know, being a countryman, a companion, sharing food together, sharing, breaking bread, um, sharing salt, common salady, and that's why our potluck reports are titled. I one is called, um, sh I think, sharing salt, and one is entitled breaking bread. Um, it's the whole idea of food being a connector, and it's such a powerful connector, and it's so simple to do. It's so so simple. So, hopefully, you all will continue to support the root work of this uh, Lethbridge Action and Racism Circle because it's a grassroots community organization. It's your community. It's your organization. And it's not, you know, it's not getting any funding or any support that way. It's all just everybody donating their time and their love and their care. Question?
My name's Ian McKenna, and um, I wonder if uh, in your pot, in your, your potlucks, have you ever had any um, way of getting schools involved in this? It occurs to me that, uh, that one of the issues is what goes on in the schools among, among students and so on. Have you been able to penetrate that sort of wall? Because it is very difficult in Alberta to find out what is actually going on in schools. And uh, so I wonder if uh, um, I'd put that one to the younger people there so you can decide who, who you are. <laughs> I'll just say, I'm not one of the younger people, but I'll, I'll just say something. And if Ruth wants to add anything, maybe. Um, we did extend invitations to... Um, to the uh, two school boards when we did our presentations at both the school boards and encouraged them to uh, let their staff and students know about the potlucks. We did advertise the potlucks really widely. Um, we have a, a pretty good mailing list now for just our Action on Racism Circle group, plus we advertised it through the Amnesty International mailing list in the media, um, and uh, we, we wrote letters or, or sent invitations to all the churches, uh, to the Chamber of Commerce, to all the... Uh, the uh, city council members, uh, just a really, really wide net we cast, uh, and we had a lot of people come from all sorts of different backgrounds and all different ages. We had, we did have young kids at the potlucks, and it was really awesome to see them there. And we had um, university students and college students. Hi, everyone. Uh, Mike here again. Uh, in the picture, we have two teachers in the background there that did come to the potluck. And uh, sitting at a table with them, they, they, they were wowed by what happened. And they thought, this is exactly what we need our students to come to attend. However, you know, logistically, we said, okay, we can work around this. We can get some good dialogues going. However, on the campus side, for the older students, is that the age of university and college students were, I mean, they were exposed to this. The nice part about the U of L and the college is that you're exposed to the rich environment like this. Jason and Mary were on campus. I'd seen them talking to people of different and, and a wide variety of backgrounds. So the door was open, as we're saying, and that was one of the first steps. We've, how do you promote the issues? Come say hi. Here's Jason. Here's Mary. Get involved. One of the things that I find is that uh, we, we often focus on the youth as, hey, that this is where we want to see change. And we want to affect change in our youth from, from the ground up, so to speak. Um, the youth are pretty good, I find. The, the youth have, uh, have a, a pretty good understanding of diversity. Uh, it's, it's the older folks who, I think, have, uh, <laughs> have some challenges to face. And, and part of that has to do with the, the social demographics and, and the level of tolerance that has been changing, as you mentioned, um, that, that things are getting better. A hundred years ago, this was ridiculous, right? Things are getting better. And, uh, and, and the mayor mentioned that, too, in the video, that, that this is a, a good community to live in. And, and surely it is. We don't want to undermine that. But there are deep-rooted prejudices out there that I face all the time. And, and it's, it's frightening because it's just a process of thinking, in-group, out-group, us, them. And, and people don't even acknowledge that as a form of intolerance. And that's where these things occur. Um, and so it's not just the youth that we want to target, though certainly there's a lot of work uh, happening with, with younger people and with youth. But uh, this, is, this isn't uh, a thing for one particular demographic. This is across the board. This is something that, that we need to address with everybody. Um, 
Speaking aside from the potlucks and a shameless plug for my agency, but um, one of the programs that was developed out of the fact that uh, newcomers were having difficulties not only adjusting to Canadian society, but also the school system, lockers, for example, book fees, school fees, et cetera, et cetera, was that what came about was we got funding for a program um, called School-Based Settlement Support. And what this program does, my colleagues are involved, um, Yurik and Robin, and my, their wonderful receptionist, Tamara, is to facilitate that bridge between the Canadian school system and newcomer parents and children. And out of that has arisen two very amazing, well-done, put-together conferences. The first one last year was called Coexist, and that basically entailed... Um, that all children from all backgrounds, and of course Canadian students were invited, which an overwhelming amount did attend. This was held at LCI, and it, they did an overwhelming job to basically put out there the idea of coexisting and tolerance for other students, other people of different backgrounds. And then they put on another one this year called Peace Isn't Easy. And again, another the idea is so, promoting the idea of tolerance, respect for people of different cultures. So that is one aspect in which Lethbridge is doing, is provi providing for the youth, is that foundation of um, respect, tolerance, and the non-existence of racism within the school system. And I, that is what I congratulate my colleagues for. Um, and also for that, they are trying to work on bridging the gap between, again, First Nations and newcomers. Because when newcomers do come to Canada, they do learn from their neighbors. And it's not also pretty. It's not also nice. Um, we, we are central downtown. And so what they see is what they believe in and pertain to a particular group. So we are trying to bridge that gap. And we are trying to actually have Native students that are already situated within the schools become a friend and befriend newcomer students in order for them to sort of, I guess, uh, talk about the hurt, as, as Sarah was saying, and to share those stories with each other. Hi, my name is Bob Campbell. I just want to, first of all, thank everybody for their uh, presence here and for your presentations tonight and uh, to commend the work that you've been doing. I think it's phenomenal. Um, this wouldn't have happened in Lethbridge, I don't know, even, I don't know, I would say five years ago, maybe that's not true, but ten years ago this wouldn't have happened because we, we didn't have any problems in Lethbridge. Um, so I do commend you for this, and, and I think this is the first, uh, you know, really, we begin to build momentum now because we now have begun to name the problem. When you name the problem, then you can begin to identify and, and deal with the problem. You can talk about it. I think one of the challenges we have is not to vilify those who don't think like we do in terms of being inclusive and, and so on and so forth. And, and I think that's a challenge for some of us more sanctimonious types sometimes. So we have to be very careful of that. What I wanted to just uh, put to you, and, and maybe one or two of you might comment on, uh, we talked a lot about discrimination in terms of uh, you know, uh, racial discrimination. It's easy to, to identify and talk because it's somebody you can see, you can identify, you know what the issue is. Uh, the more subtle forms are when we talk, start talking about, for example, gays, lesbians, et cetera, et cetera, those, those kinds of issues, and also people with mental illness. Uh, we don't hear, but there's a, a tremendous amount of discrimination against people with mental illness. Uh, again, because, uh, you know, 
they don't have that visible uh, effect. And so there is, but for example, uh, there's even legal, uh, trying to get travel insurance, if you've been diagnosed and treated for mental illness, you won't get travel insurance. That's just one example of discrimination. Housing, uh, they also face those issues. So I would just put that to the committee and to your group to don't forget that piece of it too, because discrimination is, it, it's hurtful to uh, you know, a wide variety of people. And so uh, that's just a comment I wanted to make. And so, thank you. Would anyone like to respond from the panel? I'll speak to that really briefly. Is this um, sounding? Yeah. Okay, thank you for that comment. I think we tried to concentrate on things for which we had evidence of really gross instances in Lethbridge. And I don't think anybody here would disagree that those are serious concerns. It's also very valid, as you say, that um, people can suffer discrimination and um, negative treatment due to all kinds of things. I mean, you can get it because you're fat, because you're old, because you're not smart, because you have a disability, because you're mentally ill, because you're the wrong color. And I, th I guess <clears throat> there's so many forms of this, you couldn't really actually list them all. I'm sure that everyone up here and probably also everyone in the room would be opposed to all these forms and would be concerned about them. I, I would just suggest that the underlying principle here is that another person is a human being with the capacities and the intrinsic worth of a human being and with the universal human rights of a human being. And somehow we have to treat other people for all their differences with the basic respect that, that follows from that. So that, that's what I would recommend in, in response, you know, to the very important problem that you do raise. Hello, um, my name is Bob Stankel. Um, Maybe this isn't a form of discrimination, but I, I'd like to get something changed if possible. Uh, whoever uh, could probably take a, take a challenge or whatever. I happened to see the Galt Museum display a couple months ago. Um, this, this country was built on many different races. It wasn't built from one race or two or three. It, hundreds and hundreds of people helped build this province, this city, this country. Um, in my tour of the facility, I, I would like to see a change if possible. Um, what I'm talking about is uh, the display of, uh, of the pictures of the, I guess, the founders of the city of Lethbridge. Maybe it's, uh, maybe, maybe I'm having a hard time looking through, but I seem to, I get the impression that certain, there's a certain group of people that are, maybe, maybe the group of people with money are all represented up there. Those are not the only people that helped build this, uh, this country, the, the people on the, on, on the display in the Galt Museum up top. If you, if you ever get inside, maybe you'll know what I'm talking about. I would like to see a representation or um, an accreditation, a recognition of, of all the other multi-ethnic uh, groups that are in this area represented at that same uh, public museum. It seems as though... Um, 
maybe I had, I'm just seeing it one way, but uh, it, it, it would sort of make a little, little different, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'd like these people to be recognized for their services. Every single race, not just the very few. Uh, would you guys want to comment on that? And who would like to take a chance and, and take a step and try to, do you get my, my jest or whatever? Can you hear her at the back? Uh, if I could say one other thing, um, if, you, if you compare a mantle with one group of flowers, and, and they were all the same looking kind of color flower, and, and, and sort of compare that to the different races in the world, this world would be awfully boring. I am glad that we have a very uh, big assortment of, of different nationalities from wherever they come from, and, and groups of people, uh, genders, this and that. That, that combined to make, make this human race possible. You know, it wasn't just one person that helped build this world or this country or this state. Or It is the entire group uh, of every, from every region. Um, and I, everybody should be proud of that. Um, I commend you for coming up and speaking. Um, I think if anybody should take away one thing from tonight, um, I think you should take away this, and it's the idea that we need to, quote-unquote, normalize difference. Um, I don't know if many of you have seen Blindside, but the quote that stuck on my head when Sandra Bullock was out there and she was ranting and raving around about her, with her husband about Big Mike, and um, she was saying that Big Mike was like a fly in a milk. <laughs> and basically what what the experience, the personal story that I shared in regards to the girl um, that cut off all her braids, her beautiful braids, um, she was like a fly in a milk. Um, she came to a community and the majority of students were white. Um, but why does that, and this brings to school, why does that have to be the normal, the norm for kids to see amongst their peers and amongst themselves that 
this is my community and this is just basically what it is in plain sight of me. Um, until someone different comes along and then all of a sudden you've got something at, of this issue at hand. Um, I think it's important that whether it's our books, our schools, um, our ads even, our just our regular media ads on the buses and everything. I'm seeing that they're starting to change now. Um, but we just need to normalize difference in everything we see. So for you to mention about the Galt Museum, that was quite a, strikes me because there are different people that made up Canada. Um, and there were different people that made up Lethbridge. Um, we have the Japanese society that's been here for a long time. Um, we have our aboriginals and other various communities that have helped build Lethbridge. And, um, I just hope that, you know, if again, to take away something, we need to normalize difference. So whether it's in media, whether you see that through media, whether you see that through advertisement, or just shuffling through the leisure guide, maybe just take note of what you see, and maybe, you know, hopefully you can do something, write email, telephone, about making change and seeing the difference in our society. Just really briefly, um, uh, Sarah said something that, that struck me earlier, and that was giving voice to the voiceless. And that's a, that's a very prophetic role. And what you mentioned and what you noticed there was the absence of a lot of voiceless people. Um, that, I guess I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable, and I think it's perhaps a little unfortunate the way that this is set up uh, physically, because we're on a panel. But, but really, we're you guys. <laughs> like, we're all the same. We're just, this is a grassroots organization. And the essence of grassroots organization is... Normal people, you guys, us, everybody in the community, having the courage to do what you did and come to the microphone and speak. And many of you are sitting here, and thank you for being here. You all have voices. And in whatever community or context that you're a part of, you also can find the power to speak up as well. And, uh, and that's simply what this is. And to be, I think, well, simplistic, that would eradicate a lot of problems. And I just want to say really quickly, because I know somebody from the Galt Museum is not even ready to respond, <laughs> Wendy. But um, um, I just wanted to say what Jason just said, uh, ditto. Uh, this is a grassroots organization. I wish we were just sitting at a big round table here. Um, we, I would really like, before anybody leaves, if it's possible for everybody to like give us an idea. You know, If you have a really great idea you want to share tonight about how we can positively act on racism and discrimination in our community, just stand up to the mic and share it with us. My name is Wendy Akins, and I am the curator of the Galt Museum. <laughs> but that I will address the issue that the gentleman has raised in, in a moment. But my first comment is I'd like to build on something that Sarah said about being positive. And when we talk about discrimination and when we hear about things that are uh, in the newspaper or other media outlets, it's generally the negative. It's the negative that builds stereotypes. And I think that one of the comments that you have in your booklet about the media is to um, promote anti-racism, uh, but I think they should take a step further and talk about the positive. Talk about the people from various uh, identifiable groups who are successful in this community, who break those stereotypes down and build on that. Make it uh, a promotion on a positive nature rather than simply always the negative. And I'm not denying the negative, 
But I think it's really important that you balance that with the story of the people who are the success stories in our community from whatever race or religion or challenge that they have in their life. Now, as the curator of the Galt Museum, <laughs> I do need to address what has been said because I don't think it's uh, an accurate representation of what we do. And we are very, very conscious of uh, making an effort to include a lot of people. In our main permanent gallery, there are at least eight groups of people other than white Anglo-Saxon uh, Protestants who are represented in our gallery. Many of the people on the, uh, on the panels that the gentleman referred to are people like Jerry Potts. He's certainly not a man of wealth, but he was a man of significance. Uh, Anne Campbell, she was not a person of wealth, but of significance to the community. And so I know that there's always more we can do, but we make a real effort. And this summer we're bringing in uh, shirts from the Pitt Rivers Museum. They are shirts made from the Blackfoot community that left this community almost 170 years ago, and they're coming back. And people from the Blackfoot communities are having two weeks of workshops handling these 170-year-old uh, shirts. And we're talking, they are men's shirts. They are shirts that represent the uh, accomplishments of the males in the community, but they're made by women. And there is a real balance in that story that the shirts would not be there without the women and the skill that they bring to it. So, like I said, there's always more we can do, but we really do try. I'm Deborah LeBeau, and my question is maybe more with, not so much with Lethbridge, but I have noticed <clears throat> what I would call hate mail coming through in email form. Um, it looks very well done. It, I saw I had one come in uh, before the Olympics about concerned Canadians standing up to make a statement about uh, the Canadian athletes that were Canadians not being allowed to wear um, turbans or, or something like to that degree. And that wasn't the first one. I've also had other, what I would call hate mail sent to me by people who think they're doing good things. And I told, I responded and said I thought that this was hate literature that they were passing along, that there's no name put to the, to the dialogue. So you, nobody's being held accountable for these statements. And I didn't believe they, they were factual either, the information that was within them. And I'm wondering if Amnesty might consider trying to find a way to address the kind of stuff that goes on in the Internet of that nature.
Yeah, I guess just, um, Deb, um, I think if you're concerned about, if you get a, a, an email or you see something on the internet that you're concerned about that you, you might consider hate literature, I would definitely report it. You know, we have a resource list back there, uh, contact numbers for the, um, the Lethbridge Regional Police Service, um, CMARD, and um, Aboriginal Council of Lethbridge. I would report it to one of those agencies. Send them a copy of the email you got. If that's something you can do just on a personal level. As far as Amnesty International being involved, uh, what Amnesty International is working really hard on actually is p protecting uh, the uh, freedom of speech, uh, rights of bloggers. Uh, all over the world, bloggers are being arrested and uh, imprisoned just for exercising the right to freedom of speech. So it's kind of a, a little different, uh, the, the flip side of that actually. Uh, so I guess you know that would be my suggestion. But everybody, there is a resource uh, sheet back there for you all to pick up on your way out. I'd suggest that would be a good thing to do. Might I suggest to the SACPA folks that that could make a good topic for a future program? Um, what do you do about that kind of material on the internet? Um, I, another suggestion is when you get mail like that to. Um, to always respond with, with the opposite message. Uh, when I receive that uh, sort of mail, which fortunately I do uh, very little, receive very little of it because my mail at work is filtered, um, but when I do, I always compose a letter making a statement about what I believe in, why I'm proud to believe in it, and uh, I sign it. And uh, if I'm getting unsigned mail, I always make the statement that Unlike the the source from which I received the original email, I'm I'm b both proud to sign my name and not afraid to do so. And I think that that message going back it, it, at least it signals some resistance to the messages you're receiving. I think uh, I think that one of the things we have to do if we want to make a positive impact is recognize the importance of money. We've heard a lot of of uh, philosophy and, and, and gospel, and that's wonderful. We, we would all hope that people would do the right thing to, because it's the right thing to do. But it's not an accident that governments everywhere in North America are funneling money into affordable housing. And the reason, the reason they're doing it is they realize it's a good business case. Uh, in Reno, uh, there were, uh, Million Dollar Willie became quite famous. Willie was a homeless person who was picked up time after time by a couple of police officers. And after a while, they got suspicious. I wonder how much this is costing. And so they went back and checked how many times he'd arrested him, how many times he'd been in the hospital, how many times he'd done the court. And they came up with figure a million dollars they'd spent on him. Now, unfortunately, uh, million-dollar Willie died before they were really successful intervening him. But everywhere, governments have recognized that the most expensive place to have a person, whether it's a, a teenager, a child, whether it's a, a, an adult dealing with addictions or an unemployed person, the most expensive place to have that person is on the street. We need to recognize that there is a cost to racism and intolerance. Now, when there was an incident, uh, and, and in multinational companies get this, but a lot of the local companies don't quite get it. When there was an incident at, uh, uh, at uh, uh, the coffee shop, uh, uh, Tim Hortons, within four days, 
I was having, uh, Chief Weaselhead and I were having lunch with the CEO of Tim Hortons. They got it. I mean, they knew something had gone wrong, and they didn't try and, and stand up and make excuses the way Toyota did initially. They got it. They were here quickly. What we need to do is work with companies in Lethbridge and help them to understand that it is in their best interest. Hopefully some of them will do it because it's a good thing to do. It's socially, it's socially, uh, uh, it's socially responsible. But it's also in their best interest of their bottom line. There is all sorts of evidence that uh, workplaces that are diverse, that are accepting, that are tolerant, that are welcoming, are more productive, more effective, and they're also more attractive to uh, more attractive to uh, uh, more attractive to uh, customers. And I'll just give you one case in point. Um, you, you in Vancouver, you wouldn't think of having companies that didn't have uh, Asian Canadians visible in the company. It would be it would be uh, it would be a death knell for a company. It just makes common sense. Television networks are beginning to be more diverse. But take Southern Alberta, for instance. How many First Nations uh, people buy automobiles and trucks? And how many First Nations people do you see in the sales room or in the back of the dealership working on vehicles? Think with it. There are millions of dollars. And I would, I would argue that there are very few First Nations people employed in that industry. And I think one concrete thing to do is make companies aware that it is not only uh, socially uh, responsible, it's in their best interest to have diverse employment uh, makeup. And the same goes with new Canadians as well, because new Canadians are becoming an increasingly uh, important part of um, our economy uh, and that they're going to be more visible and more important in the future. And it makes sense for companies to include those as well. So I think there are some practical things. We need to make them aware uh, of the importance of doing this, and we have to help them to do this. And what is one of the major... Have we identified any of the, the obstacles? Well, one of the obstacles is if a person goes into an environment that he doesn't feel, he or she doesn't feel comfortable in, it leaves. And then the employer says, well, I tried and it didn't work. So we not only need to persuade employers that it's their best interest, but we need to, treat, to uh, educate them to help new employees, whether they're new Canadians or First Nations or Métis, to make that transition and stay. Those are some practical suggestions. Uh, not poetic, uh, not th theological, but practical, and I think they have some merit. Thank you. We, I believe we have two more people, maybe three, who were going to ask questions, and we have about eight minutes, so. There's a reason that I prefer to stay home and write rather than come to events like this, because I either bite my tongue till it bleeds or I speak too much, but you are all too nice. <laughs> and uh, my... 
I had an uncle that had an expression that he used to use all the time when people were sort of getting around the bush trying to get to an issue. And he used to say, will you kick over the whiffle tree and fart? And uh, you probably get the gist of what he was getting at anyway. One, one of the previous speakers uh, mentioned that, you know, he talked about naming the, naming the problem. And I've long disliked the word racism because there are so many degrees of racism. And I long ago acknowledged the fact that I was brought up with racism ingrained into me. And if I had not taken a different course of life than I had, like when I was in grade six in Princeton, New Jersey, I just by chance happened to, uh, like I was there as a, as, a, as a different person. I was a Canadian living in Princeton, New Jersey, and we were living in a place called The Project where a bunch of university students and things left, and my dad was taking graduate work. And the first kid I met my age was a little kid named Larry Hammond. He was a black kid. He was the only black kid in my school that wasn't in the special class. If it hadn't been for that early experience, I probably wouldn't be here tonight. I'd probably be one of the people that you are talking about, one of the racists. And I have found, uh, even after being married to a, an Aboriginal woman for 30 years, that every once in a while something slips. You know, we all have the problem, every single one of us. And, and I, 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 I'm always amused at people that, you know, come up to me and say, well, I don't have any prejudices, <laughs> because all of us do. And it's the degree to which we have it that matters. Uh, I, I was reading, I've just been rereading a book that I really, really love. Uh, it's by a woman named Barbara Einrich. Luella would know her, I know. It's called Fear of Falling, The Inner Life of the Middle Class. And I think, I think rather than, the, like when, when we are naming the problem and we're talking about racism, we're naming the name or we're naming a symptom. And I think what it boils down to is, is fear. My, one of my, my all-time favorite uh, people is Aung San Suu Kyi of Burma. And in her essay, in her book, the, uh, uh, Freedom from Fear, the essay with the same title, which I uh, frequently post on my Facebook page <laughs> once a year, uh, she talks about the four agati, the four different types of corruption. The fourth one is fear. But she said, really, that is the only one, because people with with power or with wealth or with anything fear losing it and the people that don't have it fear the scourge of it and I, I really think that we you know uh, another another uh, uh, reference that I mentioned that would be good to read is book uh, uh, a book by Peggy Rosenthal called Words and Values. And I think we have to be really careful when we're using words like, you know, any kind of ism. Like, I, I, I look forward to the day when every ism will be a wasm. That, that it's just, you know, I'm sick of isms. Uh, but but I, really think, uh, I really think we need to start looking at those... Uh, 
it, it, those kind of structural metaphors that we base our whole value system around because every culture has them. I was, I was just recently... Uh, Gordon, I'm going to have to ask you to wrap it okay, up. Okay, I will wrap it up. Mm -hmm. But I, I would really like to see the committee uh, look at, look at the, the racism issue in a little more depth and look at some of the underlying, uh, you know, the underlying causes of racism, which relate to the the values that each individual culture has and are just afraid of letting go of. If that makes any sense, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Gordon. Hi, I'm Natasha Fairweather. And I just wanted to talk on the um, <laughs> on uh, the what to do sort of aspect of this. And I just wanted to really briefly mention the absolute importance of allies. I'm a lesbian, and I fight my own little battles every day, every day, every day, every day. And sometimes after fighting my own little battles, I don't have the time to fight my big battles. I don't have the energy to fight my big battles. I am gay, marriaged, out. I'm just done. But maybe I have the energy to help fight your battles, and then maybe you can help me fight my battles, right? And so when we ally, we can help each other work on the things that some of the, some of the gay issues are just too close to my heart. I just can't. I just can't. But maybe your issues I can have the fire and the passion for. And if we could connect, say, a gay group and an aboriginal group, then maybe that thing happens where people make friends and the gay people could dispel their misconceptions about Aboriginal people and some Aboriginal people could dispel their misconceptions about gay people and some gay Aboriginal people would feel like, finally. <laughs> I only have to go to one meeting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I belong to everyone here, right? So I just wanted to talk about the absolute importance of allies. And I know that you all know this because, well, there's three different organizations just up on, like, well, there's SACPA, there's LARC, and then there's Amnesty, just tonight, right? And then all of you belong to your own whole life circumstances. And so I just, to me, as, as a lesbian, that's been the most important part, the most helpful thing in, in helping me get through my challenges was not only the people who belong to my community, but the people who don't belong to my community who show me that they care. And this will have to be our final comment question. Okay. Uh, Pastor George Takashima. Um, mine is more an observation. I'd like to thank the panel members for uh, their uh, contribution to this evening's event and the various people who have spoken. But as I sit back and observe, there's something missing. There's something lacking in this scenario. And that is, aside from a handful of Aboriginal people, there's only two of us who are visible minorities. And we're talking about an issue that affects a lot more than what's present here, represented by the visible minority and the Aboriginals. I would hope that we would continue with these discussions. They're very important. 
But in saying that, I would hope we would have a lot more people from the visible minority and the aboriginal communities participating in this type of venture. Thank you very much for that. I, I have to say this is a very different SACPA meeting from most. Uh, it's been great, and, and uh, the comment that was made here that it would have been nice to be in a circle, you know, because I think that was more the feeling here tonight, a real community feeling. I'd, I'd invite, yes, I'd invite the panel, if they want to make one or two closing comments, please do, especially how people can get involved. Just a real quick one on, on, on uh, Wendy's um, um Natasha's and uh, Pastor George's comments. Um, when we started out, first of all, we really made an effort to look to work on uh, the whole idea of positive action on racism. That was really fundamental for us. Number two, uh, the potlucks were attended by members of the GLBTQ community, and that was awesome. So, you know, we're all a community. Everybody. And number three, Pastor George's comment, the potlucks were also attended by uh, people from a lot of different ethnic groups. So that, I think the potluck model, I just can't say it enough. Maybe it sounds real simple, but, you know, sometimes simple works really good. Anyone else want to make a, a last statement? Mike? Yeah, hi. Um, is anyone going to make a racist comment when I'm standing beside you? <laughs> you know, here's the notion that although the community has this perception of being um, redneck and we have this historical embedded racism, what, we're, what this panel was, and I hate to say it, but I don't mind being the muscle behind a community like this, okay? That's the creator's role. That's why he put me here. And what he did best was give me a philosophy degree to back it up. So the argumentation that we're doing here, yes, is all polite and above beyond board. However, recognize that unfortunately, we hate to bring a physical presence to these issues, but I'm the small one in my family, okay? <laughs> the larger issues, you know, these are the things that we can moderate well, that we can speak to well, but we can also bring some heavy, we don't want to bring a physical presence, but we want to bring a heavy intellectual presence. There's a man behind you, Stan, who's just as strong and just as strong-willed who's a presence in the community. And so there's these people who are coming together. So I'd like to say thank you to Mary, other panel members, that the Aboriginal community is growing. We need to come out to these events. Don't worry. We'll bring more. Okay, and I'd like to thank all of you again. And unless you want to pass the collection bucket again, you're going to have to leave quickly.